0: This podcast may contain explicit language or disturbingly descriptive imagery. Listen at your own discretion. You must be either mad or insane to seek out this godforsaken place. But since you're here, I guess I can show you the nest of horrors. Today's story has been pulled out of the nest by C.B. Jones and it's entitled The Wrong Babysitter, narrated by Robin Regalado, Liam Huell, Kenzie Main and Erosion Rob.
1: I'll never forget the sound of my younger brother's scream. I'd seen him cry plenty of times, scream at me after I'd pestered him or taken the N64 controller from him. This was different. There was a painful desperation embedded in the wail, as if he could scream loud enough, high enough, somebody or something would take him away from the awful situation we had found ourselves in. Sometimes I hear it as I'm drifting off to sleep at night. When that occurs, I abandon all hope of the sweet relief of slumber. I have to get up, make myself a drink, or smoke cigarettes, and write in my notebook until the wee hours of the morning. I was a couple of years older than him. Charles Schulz once said that. Big sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. And I suppose I was a testament to that fact when it came to my younger brother Connor. When I was babying him, I straight up enjoyed pestering the hell out of him. He was a high-strung kid that was prone to whine and cry at the mildest jab. I practiced karate moves on him, tickled him until he almost peed his pants messed his hair every time I passed his little head in the hallway. It was like the more he would protest, the more I just had to bug him. I couldn't resist. It was like a little drug. I had to keep coming back for my fix. Yet we had some good times together, and I truly loved him. And he looked up to me despite my irritating nature. Being close in age and older, I was eager to impart my ancient wisdom upon him. I passed down valuable lessons, like learning how to burp on command, or how to ride a bike, and where the flute was in Super Mario Bros. 3. My parents were excited. They buzzed about the house with an anticipation that made me a little nervous. This was second to the anxiety I felt about the fact that they were using a new babysitter. It'll be alright, Maddie. Carol from work uses her all the time for her kids. My mom said as she marched around the living room looking for her purse. But her kids are perfect little angels. What if Connor starts throwing a fit or something? What if she's mean? Why can't Mrs. Penny watch us? Mrs. Penny was our usual babysitter. A plump, feisty, fun lady only a little younger than our mom. She's not going to be mean, Maddie. Hey, I need you to be the woman of the house and make sure everything is going okay. I'm sorry we couldn't get Mrs. Penny, but this was short notice. Please be on your best behavior. Your father and I never get to do stuff like this, and this will probably be our only chance to see Fleetwood in concert. I frowned and kicked at the green shag carpet as she gave me a pat on the head. Well, I've been afraid of changing, because I built my life around you. My dad sang, bursting into the living room and drawing out the last syllable all cheesy and long, like a parody of an opera singer. My mom laughed, and he took her by the hand and twirled her and they danced out of the living room, leaving me to pout all by my lonesome. I wandered off to find Connor, who was playing with Legos in his bedroom. Hey, fart knocker, mom says I'm in charge tonight. That means you can't act like a big baby like you always do when they're away, I said, picking up a little Lego guy and arranging it on the multicolored castle he was building. Don't call me names. I'm going to listen to the babysitter. You're not the boss of me. The babysitter came. When she arrived, she was all smiles and pleasantries and reassuring. My parents were at ease, but at this point a T-Rex could have walked through the front door, and they would have happily left us in its care as long as it knew how to cook a frozen pizza. My parents left, giddy goodbye waves from the driveway, excited and happy for their destination. It would be the last time they ever knew a happiness so pure. I can't tell you her name. I just can't remember. Does it really matter at this point? In my mind and in the history of my life, she is only known as the babysitter. Looming large, a storm that swept through and disheveled everything. Was she in her twenties or in her thirties? I wouldn't have known as every adult past a certain age through my childhood eyes carried the same amount of levity and oldness. I only knew she looked pretty and had big lips and cool makeup and curls in her hair, hair that was blonde and gray at the same time. She wore a faded black t-shirt from a band I'd never heard of and torn jeans and black nail polish. She was all punk rock energy and sardonic eyebrows and mischief. Connor took to her instantly. In her, he found a female ally against the female antagonist of his childhood, a weed killer for his crabgrass big sister. He followed her through the night, interrogating her with questions. How old are you? Do you have any pets? Where do you live? Do you go to school? Do you know karate? Can you beat Bowser? Can you beat up my sister? Later they played video games together, me, the third wheel. Connor stuck his tongue out at me as they played. I went largely ignored by her and thus resigned myself to my bedroom, flipping through magazines. In a bid to impress the babysitter, Connor performed a raid. He ran into my room wearing a Batman mask and giving a war cry. He knocked over my dirty clothes hamper and stole Red, a plush dog that my grandmother had given me, my favorite stuffed animal. He didn't get far on foot. I tackled him with a fury in the hallway, his wails echoing off the sheetrock walls. Still, he clutched red tightly, and I had to frog his arm multiple times until he released the dog. Hey, 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 what's going on here? The babysitter said, coming from the kitchen. She, she tackled me and (laughs) hit me, Connor sputtered through his tears. Well, he took my favorite dog.
0: He knows it's special.
1: My arm hurts.
0: Why don't both of you separate for a while? The pizza's in the oven, and when it's done, you two can kiss and make up. Ew!
1: I said. I hate her. Connor growled and got up and ran down the hall and sat at the dining room table and put his head down and started his long, fake cry. I sulked over to the recliner in the living room and turned on the TV. The babysitter went into the kitchen and got out some plates and checked on the pizza. I turned up the volume on the TV to try and drown out my brother's fake crying.
0: Hey, I have an idea. Do you two want to play a game? The winner will get a prize.
1: The babysitter said as she stepped in the living room. I noticed that she gave Connor a look of disgust as she walked past him from the kitchen. I could have sworn I heard her mumble something like, Shut up, or silence. He looked up from the table with interest, his tears long dried, and a red imprint on his face from resting it on the table. What kind of prize? He asked. A special one, she said and smiled. I can still see that smile, the way her chin was tilted downward and her forehead seemed to bulge out with her eyebrows furrowed. So, do y'all want to play? Sure! Whatever, I grumbled. The babysitter slid into the middle of the room with all the panache of a ringleader at the circus. This game, she said as she picked up an ottoman and hoisted it over her head, is called The Floor is Lava. She set the ottoman in between the dining room table which overlooked the living room and the plaid
0: couch in front of the TV. Maddie? You must make it over to where Connor is, and he must make it over to where you are. And remember, the floor is lava, so you mustn't touch the ground. It was a pretty good
1: distance from the recliner to the couch. I figured I could easily make it there with a good leap. I stood up and steadied my legs on the arms as it rocked under my weight like a rowboat. The babysitter leaned against the wall at the back of the living room underneath the large Thomas Kincaid painting and watched the game unfold.
0: This is a game that
1: you both can win, she said. The lights in the room flickered. The green shag carpet glowed orange and the smell of ashes and saunas filled the air. In an instant, it was gone. Everything was back to normal. Did you see that? I asked. The floor is lava, the babysitter said flatly. Connor had made it to the ottoman. His eyes were big. I took my leap from the recliner and landed into the arms of the couch with my knees. I figured he had about six feet from the ottoman to the couch. Getting to the recliner was going to be a different story. The lights flickered again, darkness punctuated by the flaming floor. Tendrils of flame lapped at the legs of the furniture and steam hissed. The ground bubbled like cheese on a pizza and a small spark of molten rock landed on my forearm, burning for an instant. I was stricken by fear and sunk into the couch. Everything normalized again. I... I don't want to play anymore. Maddie can win. MAKE IT STOP! SISSY! Stop it. STOP IT! WE'RE DONE! I screamed.
0: Stop what? The babysitter asked. It's just a game, guys. The floor and
1: stuff! It's actually lava! What's... what's going on? My voice was cracking and shaking.
0: FINISH THE GAME
1: Her voice went deep and gravelly, a smoker's voice. She continued to lean against the wall and yawned, stared straight ahead. I went over to the opposite side of the couch and could see Connor stranded on the ottoman in fear. From here I could easily make it to the dining room table and win the game. Just a hop, skip, and a jump and this strange and terrifying nightmare would be over. Connor, just stay there! I'm going to get to the table and win the game! I know I can do it. Okay? Oh, k-k-k-kay. He stammered. I brushed up against him as I landed on the ottoman. The carpet remained normal. The babysitter watched with interest. From here, I realized I had misjudged the distance from the ottoman to the dining room table. How had Connor managed to make it this far on his own? If I had a running start, maybe... I could easily cross the chasm of empty space and carpet before me. Yet everything looked normal. Had everything I'd seen in those brief instances been a trick of an overactive imagination? I spit onto the carpet as a test a big mouthful.
0: Gross! Spitting on your own carpet? Ugh. I'm telling your parents when they get home.
1: The babysitter said as my saliva boiled and steamed and disappeared. "'Connor, hang on tight. "'I'm going to have to get a bit of a head start. "'I don't want you to fall when I jump. "'Got it?' "'He just nodded and touched me gently on the back. "'Good luck,' he whispered. "'I could feel the ottoman rock and buck behind me as I shoved off. "'For that moment when I was airbound, "'I was petrified with fear, "'not only for my own self but for Connor.' I had visions of him tumbling off the ottoman into the lava below, all because of my running leap. I landed on a dining room chair, and it toppled over as I skittered directly onto the table with my momentum. Connor remained safe and sound
0: on his ottoman island. I win! I win! Game over! Nuh-uh-uh. I told you that this was a game both of you could win. Connor has to get to the recliner. Then the game will be over. "'That's not fair! You
1: stupid bitch!' I screamed at the babysitter. She laughed. It wasn't the cackle of a villain, but a very human and annoying laugh, the kind you might make fun of and mock if you heard it in public.
0: "'It's only a game,' she gently said. "'It's supposed to be fun.'
1: She made a frowny face. "'But we are done playing your stupid game!' I said." Just stay there, Connor. We'll wait here until Mom and Dad get home and kick this crazy bitch out of our house.
0: You're done when I
1: say you're done. The babysitter said in a low and gravelly voice. The voice that couldn't have belonged to her. The voice that came from somewhere deep in her chest. The room went dark and orange and sulfuric and hot. Sweat beaded on our faces. The ottoman began to sink into the lava, flames lapping at the sides. Connor screaming. Jump! Connor, jump! And he did. The ottoman burst into flames behind him, fabric burning away, revealing the wood frame and spring underneath. The babysitter stood unfazed in the lava, her black Converse immune to the heat. Connor had landed safely on the couch. the lava continued to flow through our living room a standing puddle of molten rock that didn't seem to burn through the walls or doors or dining room table i sat stranded on but only affecting the pieces of furniture connor was interacting with i didn't know my heart could beat this quickly he seemed so helpless out there the recliner too far for him to reach use the coffee table as a bridge He reached for it with his little arms, the lava flashing back to plain carpet and back again as it slid across the floor towards him. From his safe vantage point on the slowly sinking couch, he positioned it to reach the recliner. It was a perfect walkway for him. I pumped my fist in relief and excitement. Connor would be safe and all would be well. We were going to beat this evil bitch babysitter. We would run like hell from her torturous game. He must have had a little too much briskness in his step as he traversed his little bridge. There must have been too much furniture polish on the slick wood of the coffee table. It was those damned socks. It was that fucking babysitter. He slipped right at the end, his little butt slamming into the wood and the edge of the table. I could only watch in horror from across the room as he gripped the edge of the coffee table as it slipped over on its side from the sudden fall could only watch as his leg landed in the lava as he clung to the coffee table like a cat trying to keep out of a bathtub. His sock and pant leg caught fire burning brightly against the smoldering magma. Soon his leg dipped into the liquid flame. And that's when he screamed. That god-awful scream. The scream that still haunts me to this day. That scream that begged for a savior to erase the pain. Even death. <laughs> the babysitter's laugh echoed through the room, and somehow she had appeared right before me, staring into my face. You win, she said, and she was gone. The ground was carpet again, the air filled with a haze of smoke from burning furniture. I rushed to him, held his head in my lap, his lips white, his body clammy and wet. Somehow, despite being burned so badly, he was shivering. I could only take a glimpse of what was left of his right leg. Charred flesh sloughed off from blackened bone. His thigh was covered in blistered and peeling skin, and tapered off into this skinny and scorched monstrosity. All the more jarring when juxtaposed with his mostly unharmed left leg. The smell of burnt skin and hair, and how I can never go to a barbecue restaurant to this day without feeling nauseous. I left him for only a second, and that was to call 911. I held him there the whole time, never moving. Not even as the room filled with more smoke. Not from the furniture, but rather the pizza burning in the oven. I didn't move when the smoke alarm went off, bleeping and blaring, adding to the chaos of the situation. I didn't move when the emergency services arrived. I only sat there, holding him. And rubbing his hair, looking into his glassy eyes, saying they're there and shh, shh until they had to pull me off. They investigated my parents. They investigated me. What were the kids doing alone? Who was this babysitter that had disappeared? The girl says she turned the floor into lava. Yeah, right. Maybe she had something to do with it. Didn't she like to pick on the little boy sometimes? Maybe it was a prank gone wrong. Kids playing with fire. These things could happen. The babysitter that Carol from work had used, the one that she had recommended to my mom, they brought her down to the station. It was a completely different person. They tried to say that the burn had occurred somehow because of the oven. They were grasping at straws. Years later, I would find out that the phone number my mom had gotten for the babysitter was written on a little piece of paper. This paper sat on her dresser for several days, the brown dresser with the vanity mirror on top. The slip of paper had been misplaced after my brother's death, but had miraculously been found when we moved out of state when we thought that a change in geography could heal the pain. The last four digits on the phone number were 0999. My mom had made an error when dialing the number, the paper reflecting in the vanity mirror, transposing the digits to 0666. She had never contacted Carol's babysitter. She had contacted something completely worse. So that's the end of my story, and the end of my experience with the babysitter. I hope no one else has accidentally dialed this number, hope no one else has run in with her. I would imagine the babysitter can probably take many different forms. If you've ever needed a plumber, or an electrician, or a dog groomer, or a landscaper, or a doctor, and dialed the wrong number... Who knows what might show up? Who knows what could happen?
0: Hope you enjoyed this episode and will join us for more.